Welcome to Hit It, the Water Skier Magazine podcast, presented by USA Water Ski and Wake Sports, where we catch up each month with current stars, rising stars, and legends from the past from USA Water Ski and Wake Sports and its nine sport discipline. This episode is brought to you by Visit Central Florida, the water ski capital of the world. I'm your host, Tyler Boyd. Welcome back to the Hit It Podcast. In this special episode, it is my pleasure to introduce the new USA Water Ski and Wake Sports Executive Director, Kevin Michael. Kevin joins the national governing body with more than 30 years of experience in towed water sports, and his background is extensive, which includes being a professional water skier, a content creator, an ambassador, an event producer, and executive director. In this episode, we cover a variety of topics, which includes his vision for USA Water Ski and Wake Sports, the current state of water skiing, and new ideas to expand and grow our sport. That said, you will notice that Kevin is definitely a person who pushes all of his chips onto the table and is 100% committed to living and breathing the lake life. So sit back and relax. Here's my interview with the new USA Water Ski and Wake Sports Executive Director, Kevin Michael. Well, welcome back to the Hit It Podcast. This is going to be an amazing episode. I am super stoked to have the new USA Water Ski and Wake Sports Executive Director, Kevin Michael, here with me today. Kevin, welcome to the Hit It Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Honored to be here. Let's have some fun. Man, it just feels like this news is straight off the press and we're already recording this. I mean, you already, I mean, it feels like, I mean, you you hit it so hard and so fast. Social media is going this way, that way. Things are getting posted, but you've only been at this thing for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's true. But um, behind the scenes, you know, I was aware of this position three months previous back in October and I've been working on it ever since then. Uh, the last month in particular, before I was hired, it's all I could think about. And I uh, just had ideas flying in and I knew this was something I could handle and something that a lot of industry players and athletes were supporting me and telling me, this is all you, you got to do this. So there was a huge sense of support and uh, it's not something, this is not something I take lightly. You know, this is this is my life, man. This is what I've been after ever since I was a kid. And so I knew it was a good fit, but there's a lot of plates spinning, right? A lot of different people involved. Well, what's amazing is I was looking through your resume and I'm thinking like, there's no way this is even possible that this person could exist and you do exist. 30 years in the industry doing all sorts of things with, you know, towed water sports. And we're going to get into those including being a professional skier at one point, right? So this is going to be an amazing journey. But I wanted to pick up with this quote uh, that that when it, when it was hitting the press that you were hired, you quoted this. You said, I am so impressed with the intelligence and experience of the core staff. The volunteer support throughout the all sport disciplines is incredible. I can't think of a more exciting role to play than orchestrating a new revolution and manning the spotlight for all towed water sports and the great individuals who participate. 
Let's talk a little bit about your vision. Let's talk about, let's get right into it. And we may take uh, some steps backs and forwards here, but let's talk about this new revolution you're bringing to the table. Oh, sure. And like, I got to start from the beginning in that, you know, a lot of this attention that you're referencing is about me, but this sport is not about me. It's about everyone involved. So I wanted to highlight that in my quote. Um, it was quick to press. There's a lot happening real quick uh, during that time. But like, I was so impressed with the core staff. I mean, Scott Atkinson, 25 years he's been there. Um, Sandy and Melanie. Sandy's been there 25, Melanie 35. They're, they're incredible resources. Uh, Molly Crum, Chris Zukas, super intelligent. Uh, they're just bringing a lot to the table. We're making a new hire here soon. And that, to me, was just a great resource and just made me so excited because it's not just about me. It's about this great organization, the volunteers. Everyone on the board is a volunteer. Every sport discipline uh, lead is a volunteer. Bob Archambo, Doug Robbins, these guys are heroes. Like, they're literally heroes of our sport. Um, I was interviewing uh, for a salaried position as executive director. The volunteers are have my ultimate respect and our sports are so lucky to have them. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'll tell you, uh, it's unbelievable, you know, and, and a lot of the things that circle back on this podcast a lot of the times is that it's almost like a, a second family or is the family of water skiing with all the volunteers and all of the relationships that extend not only throughout the United States, but on an international level around the world. It's, it's certainly a special place to be. Let's let let's start here then. Kevin, you bring a huge resume to this position, but it all started with your journey of becoming a professional water skier. And then, you know, kind of the dominoes of how you've stayed connected to the industry will follow. Talk to us a little bit about that experience and growing up uh on the lake. Oh man. Uh just all I can remember is seeing the water and wanting to be on the water and boats going by with water skiers in the eighties. Mom and dad got me into it. Just like a lot of us. My dad filmed me at one point after skiing and he said, what are your goals? You know, I was 10 years old, fresh off the water. And I said, like, you could see in my eyes, there's no doubt. And I was, I was on two trick skis, could barely do a 180. And I said, I want to become a professional water skier. And there weren't any pros in our area. The Aquanuts were there. Uh, that's an amateur club. And uh, I just had it in my head. I don't know why. I think, you know, he took me to the Coors Light Pro Water Ski Tour shortly after that. And maybe that had something to do with it as it, as it grew. But, you know, you just see something and you just want to do it. And you love it so much that you want to do it for the rest of your life. And, like, you have no doubt. Like, there's, it's almost like you didn't choose it. Like, I heard Parks Boniface say in his documentary, like, it chose me. And I could kind of relate to that. I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. Like, there's no getting around it. You, people ask you, like, what, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I told you the other day online, I'm like, you know, growing up in the sport and going to the lake every day and skiing, training, having fun, you have like, what are other people doing that are not doing this? Because there's nothing <laughs> else that there you should be doing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and you, you know, you mentioned family, like it gets tough. I will say at this scale, we have 14,000 members, a lot of uh, manufacturer stakeholders in this thing. So, you know, I I've heard that a lot and it is, 
you know, resembles a family, but like, it's so big that, and where we're going with this thing, it's more of a community. So I like to kind of reframe that because family sure. can, can get bad. I've seen it in business, family businesses and stuff. When, when things don't go right, it's, oh, you said a weird family, you know, what, what's up with that? You know, I just seen that maybe not be the best descriptor. So I, I like to consider it a community, a really fun one at that. Sounds, yeah, no, community. I love that. And it, it sounds like as a community, you're bringing to the table, you know, what you're calling kind of this new revolu revolution of, you know, there's a lot of good things. Obviously, our sport is incredible, has an incredible history. But the way that things are trending, um, we're probably going to see some changes. As you look back and you say, okay, well, I've run the labyrinth, right? I've been a professional athlete. And by the way, still the youngest Skip Gilkerson award winner at 18 years of age. I mean, that's an incredible rally for, for that many years to, to have earned that award. But then, you know, you turned into a media guy, you turned into a content creator, you've been a consultant, an ambassador, you've been in Washington, D.C., you've, you know, basically working on legislation all the way up to managing directing and now the executive director of our sport here what's that vision what's what's that look like going forward sure sure yeah and i i got to touch on a couple of those points you made real quick as we get there the revolution that that you mentioned you know this is i'm a media guy i'm a promoter i'm an ambassador i'm not going to go into the numbers but it's no secret that our participation needs something it needs something to grab onto there are members that have been here decades that are desperately looking for the key to something bigger and something greater for what happens behind the boat because we've all been through heydays they had it in, in water skiing they had it in wakeboarding and we know what that feels like and it's it's not necessarily in the air right now so i feel a sense of desperation from the skiers and my kind of media, you know, mind says like, let's revolt against this. Like, what can we do? Everyone asked me, what, what can I do? Let me know how I can help. And I kept telling everybody, like, I need you on the water and I need you teaching people for their first time how to do anything behind the boat. And so that became kind of like a, a desperate revolution that, you know, we're kind of lightly kicking off and it will become more of a theme. But anyone that asked me what they can do, like get on the water and like introduce people to this sport and support the industry by buying equipment. That's literally the one-on-one of how this thing works. And, you know, yeah, I had early success, you know, I guess being in Wisconsin, I'm surprised like my sister and I had so much success, you know, we went to Japan. I was like 19 years old uh, to ski with stars of Florida and the skip things funny, the skip award. Cause I told the story a few times, but it never gets old. Zane Schwank was also skiing at that event. It's the one day of my life that I can say people thought I was a better water skier than Zane Schwank. <laughs> so I remind him of that often, but uh, he's the greatest. He's my favorite show skier of all time. Cause you never knew it was going to happen when he hit the water is like all eyes like on him guys like Zane and guys like Parks Bonifay, their spirit um, is something I'm trying to like bring into this revolution. Just, I think it really needs a sense you know, our approach really needs a sense of levity. And, you know, that means when something gets really serious, like competition mode, whatever, like finding the humor in that, taking the weight out of a heavy situation and like 
Zane and Parks and like so many others, Wade Cox, whoever were like people I looked at and I could relate to. And like, that's what I think a lot of this needs. Like you can take it serious in your preparation and all that inside your own head. When you show up on site, man, like all that preparation's done. Like it needs to be fun. You know, like you might not set a world record that day. You probably won't set a world record or even a personal best. So like you still got to have fun, man. Cause this is the greatest activity on the planet and like the most exhilarating activity. And there's just so many benefits of being on in around water, the blue mind theory. So, you know, I'm trying to kind of live that example, which has always been my approach, but yeah, that's one thing. And then I think you mentioned something about, you know, our vision and, and what we're looking for in the future. Ty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? You know, cause I mean, just looking you, looking you right in the eye here on this podcast, I've got a jumper on your t-shirt. I got Team USA on the beanie, right? Is that Sammy? Um, this is actually Tom Weber. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, Tom Weber. Yeah. And and then I'm looking behind you. You've got some Cypress Garden skis. You've got a scurfer. You've got a wakeboard. You've got that crossover slalom ski that we're starting to see more and more out on public water. Like, this vision to me, the bandwidth of it seems really like we're not looking narrowly at you know competitive water skiing this may branch out into many facets and that's kind of what is that vision what's that spectrum look like sure i mean to narrow it down and put it in as simple terms as possible there's no secret about my job description and what my job is every single member that has talked to me board member and otherwise wants growth. They want growth. Financials are very important. Nate Boudreau, the executive director before me, put us in a great position financially. And to me, that's, it's not a priority thing. It's either black or white. Like it just needs to be done. You know, the financials need to be solid. Cash reserves, all that stuff. I have experience with that at WSI. I learned from the greats, you know, of, of our industry and financial acumen. Uh, Nate's got a very high level of acumen he put me in a great position going forward i i don't this isn't necessarily about what i think it's what the board thinks i i operate at the wishes of our board of directors and our members we're a membership-based organization and they pay money uh, to enter our our tournaments so i listen and that's what i was doing for three months before i you know during the interview process i listen and every single person wants growth. They're sick of the decline and they think I can do something about it. And I believe I can. The vision in simple terms is to grow, to have a year of positive growth uh, for our total membership. And so that I think, you know, a lot of people are very linear in their approach to these activities and that's cool. And that's great. They're needed. Uh, my, my approach, and I guess, you know, you can Thanks, show skiing for that. We think about what else can we do behind a boat that hasn't been done. And to me, that keeps it fun. Uh, that variety being the spice of our existence. I can really just, you know, I'll go out barefoot. I'm getting into slalom again. Regina's trying to get me to go off the jump again. Like, there, you know, there's a lot of options for like what I could do this weekend on the water. And to me, that'll keep me busy for a lifetime and then some. Well, you mentioned it a couple of times. You listened for three months 
you were through the interview process for three months, tons of applications, I would assume, for a position like this. And you're talking about a board that's just the heart and soul of of the volunteer spirit of just wanting the best for the sport, willing to interview this for three months, right? And and tell us a little bit about that process, because that sounds Hmm. like a tough process to go through. But it sounds like on the other side of that, you know exactly what the board is looking for. Yeah, uh, I'll admit the process was gnarly. (laughs) It was heavy, man. I've been fortunate. You know, you mentioned my career. I've rarely had to interview. I've interviewed a lot of people. I've interviewed outside of the industry uh, for jobs outside of the industry. And I hated that. I, I hated it. I had okay success outside the industry, but just didn't feel right. So I've been fortunate that, you know, at WSI, I was already working there. I was already doing their communications. So I just, you know, climb the ladder, whatever, wakeboarding magazine, same thing. So, you know, this was, I think there are a couple hundred resumes. I think they, I, this is what I've heard. It was cut down to 50 resumes uh, that were considerations. And then 25 of those got interviews. That was the first round of interviews on Zoom. Second round of interviews was 12. So I made that cut. And then the final round of interviews were three. And I made that cut. And uh, we all gave presentations to the board at the board meeting. You know, I, I'll tell you, Tyler, like looking at my resume and based on my experience and my understanding of this job from the beginning, I had a high confidence level that this is a match. I'm sure, you know, as a skier, once you reach a certain level at something, like, let's say slalom, you're, you're one of the best slalom skiers. You, you know, who if there are others that are as qualified as you, you know who they are. Sure. And that, and that's kind of how our industry is. And I was looking at my unique, everything in the job description is wild. I like highlighted it. Everything they're asking in the job description, except for the, some of the Olympic committee stuff, every single item in the job description I had done and I had had success. So I knew there wasn't anyone else that had that, those unique experiences that I did, but I will say like, Bob Arshambo is a recruiter, professional recruiter, and he knows you can't say that you have favorites during the process. You have to say everyone's equal, everyone's even. So I was talking to people and they're like, oh yeah, you got this, you got this. And then I talked to people and say, hey man, like this is really close. Like they don't know, you guys are dead even, blah, blah. And there's some great candidates. I don't know who they all are, um, but I just want to give a shout out to any of them that might be listening. Like, please reach out to me and like, let's figure out how to get you involved. Cause that, that was a really hard part for me to deal with that. I'd call people and be like, Hey dude, I'm, I'm interviewing for, for, uh, executive director at USA. They're like, Oh, so am I, you know, so <laughs> I kind of like stopped talking about it, to, you know, to certain people. And like, I just kind of locked myself up in here and just, it's all I focused on, you know, it's family and whatever, taking care of myself. And then, it was this. And I, I would try not to think about it. And like ideas were just flying in. I'm like, just turn, I couldn't turn it off, but it was a gnarly process. And even after the interview, like the presentation, I just really dug deep, man. And went with like media exposure, like Brian Grubb off the skyscraper in Dubai and parks barefoot and buying the F1 and like 
that classic shot of Sammy Duvall, like doing the impossible cut at the ramp with the huge crowd and uh, just Thomas Herman's triple flip and stuff like that. And then just showed my experience and like my vision. I worked on that presentation every day, all day, you know, and it's so much was cut out of it because we had to fit it into 30 minutes. And then there's question and answer. Like I cut so much out, but like, so we gave that on a Sunday morning and then you don't know how, you don't get indicators after an interview it, that one I did. Cause I was in person, but on zoom, man, you hang up and you're like, okay, what am I going to do for the next couple of days? Like this means everything to me. Like this is my life. This is my entire life. You know, sure. that was going into this and uh, granted it's water skiing. So like, what a great thing to focus on. But you know, Monday went by Tuesday went by and I'm talking to people, man, I'm trying to just get my mind off. Wednesday goes by not a word. And like, you know, there's HR stuff going on in the background and they're preparing a contract and all that type of thing. So they need time. Again, these are volunteers. Like they did 36 hours of interviews. Wow. That's incredible. a whole interview panel, including athletes that aren't on the board. So hats off to them for the process. But like, I think it was Thursday night, I get the call and like, dude, I can't explain like how that felt. Wow, that's incredible. What And thank you for providing all that background and the context. I think that's amazing to hear that about our board. Wow, well, congratulations. I mean, there's so much to, to, to go forward with now. You know, you talked about this a little bit, and I'd like to pause on it because you're one of, you know, we're getting into the generation where you you experienced the momentum early in the 80s or late 80s to 90s of kind of what water skiing was and in the show skiing world, and then made the transition to wakeboarding, which took off like a rocket through the early 2000s. And you know, you know what that momentum felt like, like, that's what how you framed it at the beginning of this conversation. Tell us a little bit about that momentum, because you've gotten to ride the wave a couple of times. And you feel like we're at that need right now. Hey, can we get another push of momentum? I just wanted to get your perspective on that. Yeah, sure. That's a great question. I have experienced uh, what that feels and looks like. And I know a lot of these listeners probably have too in the late 80s and early 90s on the water ski tour. Wakeboarding, I, I realize there's still a certain group out there that that's a four letter word, you know, to me, I think competition can be healthy, you know, within our, our group. You know, I was a grew up a trick skier. Uh, all I wanted to do is do a flip on my trick ski. And so when a wakeboard came out, I was like, whoa, you just feel the pop, even on the low pole, like pop. It's like, whoa, this is kind of what we were looking for. And sure. so got into that with influences like Zane and other people. You know, Anthony Monaco, he's at Nautique now, but we we ordered four uh, wakeboards from Connolly. And uh, Eric Ruck was an early day wakeboard and Dano the Mano. We all came from the Aquanuts and Twin Lakes. So, you know, it was just so fun. I mean, yeah. wakeboard, like you, you got... Get, being inverted above the water is my favorite thing. I was a big freestyle jumper. And like the idea of being upside down and then landing on your feet on the water and like crowd response, it was, it was always like a big crowd response during shows. And like that, that was my favorite thing to do. So wakeboarding, just like I was on it early. You know, once a compression molded board was invented by Herb O'Brien, boot, the boots were good. Uh, that's when it took off for me. Yeah, I just kind of rode that wave. I was a skier at SeaWorld. And we get two aeronautiques every year. We have five boats every year um, at SeaWorld in San Antonio. 
but I had an injury. I thought I was going to be a show skier for life. Had an injury. I uh, had my degree in mass communication. So they got me a job launching websites at uh, World Publications, which was also World Entertainment, who contracted us as show skiers and ran the Pro Water Ski Tour and the Pro Wakeboard Tour. Obviously, this is 1998. So obviously, wakeboarding is starting. That's where all the revenues, not all, but most of the revenues coming from at that time. You couldn't deny the excitement and the feelings and the energy of where that was going and the boat sales. Boat sales are what drive, you know, all the success in events and all that. And then non-endemics. So where it was like the Coors Lights and the, the Bud Dries or whatever back in the day, it was the energy drinks in the early 2000s. Rockstar, Red Bull, Monster. Like there were others, but that, that's where the big money was coming from. And the big opportunities for athletes. So what that felt like, man, in a snapshot, I remember several times our issue was going to print and we'd have to stop the press because someone would want to run another spread. And we said, wait, there's already about 20 spreads in the front of the magazine. We don't have room. Okay, we're going to grow the magazine eight pages. We published a 212-page magazine uh, during that run. And that's a lot of editorial that we had to come up with too. But it was out there, man. We were just filling pages, filling pages. And like, I'll never forget that the average sales reps being like, hey, Billabong wants two spreads or whatever it was. And like, hey, we got to grow. I'm like, all right, I got photos. Let's run. And we had the highest EBITDA in the whole publishing group. I think there were 30 titles. And we, us and Marlin Magazine had the highest EBITDA. I think it was like 30% or something crazy. Wow. Huge, huge margins on that magazine. Great revenues. And we fueled the tour. So we go out on tour, man, and you'd see it. You'd see it. Crowds, people's faces, reactions, walking through an airport uh, with Sean Murray and people know him. Walking around a, a C, uh, Seattle Seahawks stadium with Parks Bonifay, three different groups of people call him out and say wow. like, oh my God, there's Parks Bonifay. Like I walked into a Perkins restaurant in Nowheresville, Florida, north of Tampa with Bob Sobin when him and Phil had the Wake Brothers uh, show on MTV. The whole restaurant stopped what they were doing. Cause the staff had to get photos with Bob Wow! and like you start seeing that stuff and you're like, okay, this is how it feels, you know? And then <laughs> just walking through an airport, finally they know what a wakeboard means, what a wakeboard is at baggage, just X games trips around the world with Nike. Mm -hmm. um, Nike sent us everywhere. I went to the Philippines three times, Tahiti with Billabong, uh, Australia with body glove. I mean, when you're doing that kind of high and they're inviting me, and they're paying my whole way. So I didn't have to spend out of our editorial budget. Those are just some examples of what, what that run felt like. Wow. You, I mean, that just goes to not only the domestic experience, but the international experience of how big water sports can be uh, in that context and that ride. You know, this, this podcast, we've been so fortunate to have it. And we have an amaz amazing sponsor in Visit Central Florida. And you guys are located right there in central Florida. Look at that on your microphone. There's the logo <laughs> and everything. So, so let's shift there. What does toad water skiing mean now and into the future for visit central Florida? Yeah. So it's no secret that central Florida is the water ski capital of the world. You can't deny it. So yeah, they're using it as a slogan, but it's not a stretch at all. Like yeah. it is. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin and one thing that has maintained itself through my whole time on the water 
42 years now. It's Orlando, Central Florida in general, Winter Haven, Polk County. Like, it's a hotbed, dude. All the hitters are there or within the area. And, like, everyone wants to come here from the entire world to ski and hang. Weather's great. Tons of lakes, glass water. And I think we need to lean in on that. It's always benefited us as an industry to have that kind of Hollywood, that Hollywood vibe. We want to be welcoming to the Joel Polins and the Thomas DeGasperis. You know, they come here and have professional careers. So we're ambassadors for the entire sport worldwide. And we're going to be throwing a ton of killer events. Uh, I'm so excited about the complex. Like it's been in the works for a while. And I, I know it hasn't been a straight road, but dude, Champions Lake, it's it's called Championship Lake, but I think people are going to call it Champions Lake. It's dug and it's great. And there's a ramp out there and it's killer. John Travers is putting in the course uh, just here in a couple of weeks. My office is there. I'm going to be there as much as possible. It's It's the official training center for team usa and we are part of the u.s olympic and paralympic committee so it's not the international olympic committee but we're on the u.s olympic committee you know i after my interview uh that last presentation i was telling you about i just like decompress and just wanted to drive around dude i pull up to this lake and like i'd been there before for a night jump event um that central florida put on visit central florida put on but like i was just looking around man and you know when things, I don't know, there's just something in the air when things just click. I'm like, this is, this is going to be big. This is a dream. Like, I might have an office here. I have this lake. And I kept driving around. There's a whole camp Margaritaville with a ton of RV slips and a ton of cabin rentals right on the lake. Wow. With like tiki bar, banquet hall. Like, like dude, are you kidding me? Like, it's a bummer that Elite Cable Park shut down. But we'll be able to use that space for, you know, some some like show ski type demos and like just a fun circular lake to go have, a, you know, maybe recreational and first timers can learn out there. But this complex or soccer fields everywhere, baseball fields everywhere, tons of kids. And it's like I, I want signs up saying learn to ski and sure. like I want to help this thing grow because I, a lot of what I'm doing in the first couple of weeks is like connecting dots and, you know. People talk about our foundation as separate, but I don't see it that way. Um, it's our foundation. And I want to be responsible for the, all the perceptions that exist. And I'm going to embrace our foundation. They're the ones that run the Hall of Fame event and all that stuff and got that complex project off the ground. And, you know, they build this job as remote, but I told them in very certain terms, like, I do not want to be remote. I don't want to be remotely remote. I want to live it. I want to do this 24 seven. Like I'm not messing around and like, it's not about me. This is just like where my interests lie and it needs work. And like, I want to live for this. Like, I want this to be my life. Like I can't, you know, see anything else that I'm as passionate about as this. And I uh, think I can make a difference uh, for than this. So like, I don't want to hype up the training center too much because it does, it needs a lot of work, but there's going to be a jump. There's going to be a course and like, you know, Regina's already talking about wanting to train out there with her Malibu. And, you know, I just have a great vision for that and we need to put that in action, but like, I'm going to start working out there all the time and uh, we're going to make it happen, man. 
Yeah, no, excellent. And that's great to hear that that is, that is going. And uh, there's that excitement building around that. And going back to Team USA a little bit, you know, you imagine kind of being in that particular space where, you know, a lot of uh, uh, dreams of water skiers started when they were kids. Maybe like for you, maybe it was going to that pro tour stop. Maybe for a kid that's playing soccer, looks up at that billboard and goes, man, I think I want to go try that. That looks a little bit more fun and, and I don't have to run around in the heat. I can jump in the lake. Uh, but the the goal of a lot of skiers of that age is to one day be on Team USA and represent their represent our country. And I just wanted to hear your perspective on that, because I know your job and your job title goes to effort and to support that and facilitate those efforts among our athletes. For sure. And that's a great point to bring up. There's mixed perceptions about the value of us belonging to it. And I'm going to need some time to really articulate why this is so important because I'm learning. Dude, they have Zoom calls with me. Like I probably have 18 to 20 Zoom calls wow. in these first two weeks of like different areas of compliance and all stuff. And there is some red tape, man. But dude, I will tell you any time that water skiing has a chance to be a part of something bigger, we need to grab a hold of that and maximize that opportunity. I'm a, I'm in an executive group with you know, the director of US Pickleball, USA Wrestling, USA Artistic Swimming. And we're like, yo, what are you doing about music rights? Like, how are you handling this and that? And like, you know, anything financial, like they're here to help me. There's, they provide insurance for our top athletes. So if you place first in any uh, division in the pro events, you, there's health insurance. And I'm learning that there's grants, straight up funding uh, that comes from these, this relationship. Safe sport, unfortunately, is very much needed. And, you know, there's a lot of him and hawing about that and the barrier to entry, and that's real. But, like, I will tell you, I've learned so much about this. And at the end of the day, man, a lawsuit could break us. That stems from any of that nonsense, these creeps out there that do exist. And it sucks. But we need safe sport, straight up. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I think inspiring a competitive drive, like you mentioned, like the media promotional guy in me is like Team USA, let's go. You know, like let's rock this thing. I get it. It's an individual sport and it's an individual endeavor for a lot of our skiers, but Team USA is kind of something that unites us as a force. So I think it promotes the competitive drive, even if you're just competing against yourself, which in a lot of cases we are a personal best, like those type of things. That's what, you know, the Olympics are all about, like that spirit, you know, best practices. We can share best practices. They, I was on a call about their training centers and they gave me all these ideas for our training center and how we can brand it to look Olympic. They're just a wealth of great, you know, business practices and ideas for sports sustainability. So it's like, you know, we we're talking about this revolution, like, yeah, it could happen. And then, you know, things could taper off again. Like this is a long-term deal, Tyler, like I, new sponsors and like my approach to this, it's like, there's a lot of excitement right now, but I want people to be patient and really, you know, not judge things until we're like three years down the line from this 10 years down the line for this. Cause like one thing they really preach is like sports sustainability in these U S Olympic and Paralympic committee meetings. That's, you know, part of the vision is like, 10 years from now, like, how sure. are we going to leave this thing for our kids and their kids? And like, 
you know, if you think about it in those terms, like this is a really important time. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. And um, it's interesting, you know, you you get the opportunity when when you put the USA hat on, so to speak, like you're wearing and, and you have those conversations against different sports in different areas and they're doing different things. They may not even know what water skiing is, but they do now. And oh, by the way, some of those sports could have athletes that are on the national and international stage that we could potentially say, hey, you want to check out water skiing? And that's part of kind of this vision to elevate our athletes, which we know are the most athletic people in the entire world, right? To elevate them to a celebrity type of status and showing them what I think is the most incredible lifestyle on the planet is the lake life, right? Like the opportunity to do what we've been able to do over our our lives and share that with people. But talk about elevating this lifestyle and then also elevating the athletes that are at the top of our sport. Sure. Great point. Uh, 100% accurate. Uh, I've worked with athletes quite a bit um, in my day, and I've, you know, managed athletes. They told us at Wakeboarding Magazine, like, you're essentially, they don't have managers. So you're managing their careers. And I was like, whoa, that's not in the job (laughs) description. But like, we were responsible for their image. And no matter how big or small your Instagram account is, like, you can still manage your image. And this is very important for any, you know, aspiring professional water skiers to look at. I like to keep it fun. Like, I think the lifestyle element really can be your area for like fun activity. Cause that's, that's what bonds, you know, evokes emotion and relatability is like fun uh, lifestyle on the boat. There's music involved. Music is such a huge part of what we're doing. The Marine audio segment is a great, you know, that's a great segment of our industry. So, you know, I want to really be some like a tool that the athletes can use to elevate their careers. In my in my view, there's three types of professionals. There's the not let's say number one, you don't have to worry about anything but your craft. Wakeboarding had a ton of these. They just wake up, maybe they go to some boat shows and like they have to show up at events, but it doesn't matter how they place because they're marketed for their lifestyle or the and their craft. Two, I would say is like professional, yes, you're getting paid, you're getting prize money at events, you have sponsors, and then you work for your sponsors as well. Let's say like Ronnie Barton, the queen, right? Like she's like, so I'm so impressed. Just I've known her for a long time, but it's getting to talk to her more about all this stuff. You know, she's always worked in the industry. And I think that's a great avenue for a lot of these like athletes that are deciding what they're going to do. And the third professional is the one that shows up at the contest, but then maybe works in finance or has right. a, has a nine to five. That's completely maybe a Dane Meckler or someone that would yeah. like fall into that category. So my goal is to turn the threes into twos and the twos into ones. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Well, mm-hmm. and, and, and that is, that is very exciting, right? Like if you're a professional skier right now listening to this you've got to be excited about let's it let's go like yeah it's let's on. go like, we're not messing around yeah well and i know um to switch gears a little bit our audience a lot of them are three event water skiers and being a three event water skier regionals and then nationals is kind of that that is that marker that everybody's got their calendar marked to go compete and i wanted to talk to you about the good nationals because 
Uh, you know, Good has been such a gracious sponsor for a long, long time. This year, we head out to California. What is that going to look like for us? That's going to evolve into something very new uh, compared to what we've done in the past. I'm going out there in March, uh, just in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go and we're going to start the hype train. I'm going to go talk to the mayor. I'm going to go talk to visit Bakersfield that exists, by the way, visit Bakersfield. We're going to go and like interview them. We're going to visit all the local boat dealers uh, that are in the area, get them hyped on the event and make them feel a part of this thing. Um, we want to market. We want to market to like the bigger regions. Like you mentioned, LA, this is LA. I want to go to UCLA water ski team and be like, yo, come out here. Let's go for a shred and like figure this out. I need your whole team with boots on at this event and you all need to compete and you all need to invite your friends and you all need to come out and have a good time. I'm going to have a much bigger picture of, of how this is going to look after this visit, but I want to go get in the water ski with Joe and Roger Welling and all those guys go out for a rip and just start the hype train moving. I'm, you know, again, putting the media hat on like pre-press is very important for these events, college students, anyone in the area that's within driving distance. And then, you know, we got to get people to get on a plane, bring their ski, sign up, get a hotel and like make something out of this. We're in this with good for another, I think we're in a 10 year contract. Wow. And so like, they want traffic in their booth, man. I talked to Chris and like, before I even had this job, I was talking to Chris about it. And, you know, there's this, it seems like we need some excitement and more of a festival type atmosphere. I think festival work more in the collegiate area, but um, there needs to be more of a hook. Uh, we're working on the webcast. The webcast needs funding still. Uh, this, this was a surprise to me that we're, we're fun. We're crowdfunding a lot. Crowdfunding exists so much in this world, and I didn't know how much because I've been fortunate to ride the waves like we spoke of earlier, where we had tons of rich parents, but they weren't reaching in their wallets for anything like, you know, little Johnny was getting paid to fly everywhere. So um, the webcast, though, in my opinion, like Vince and those guys at TWBC, like they're gangsters. Like we're so lucky to have them. They have costs and like their rates super fair. But there is a donation on GoFundMe for the Good Nationals to be webcast. My goal is to come in next year and like funding the webcast isn't even a, a, an issue. You know, yeah, we got to no. like really drum up some support, but we need sales. Like boats need to sell. That's a whole nother topic maybe for another podcast. But, you know, equipment needs to sell. And like Slonsky's last, what, 10 years? Like they don't break. And that's good. And it's also a problem wakeboards might last you one season two seasons tops and you're buying a new one and you're happy mm -hmm. to the only way to sell new skis is to get new skiers and collegiate is our laser focus for that opportunity well that yeah and i and i just want to put a, a little blurp in there about the the webcast it's such an incredible webcast i remember a couple of years ago i had the opportunity to ski in, in illinois and to watch the webcast and those guys cover that entire tournament. I mean, I remember just walking by, I mean, for whatever, how many days we were there all week and the product they put out is absolutely incredible. So make sure if uh, you're going to check that out or you want to watch somebody that's going to ski there, that's the best way to do it, right? Uh, is, is to watch the webcast. You, you made a great point. We're going to Bakersfield and one of the waves that I think 
we're beginning to ride and we're beginning to pick up the energy from is collegiate water skiing. You mentioned bringing UCLA out there and collegiate water skiing, uberly successful in our sport, but it's really a fall season sport. It doesn't sometimes make the transition to three event skiing during the summer and then ending at the nationals. Talk to us about your perspective of what you're seeing from collegiate athletes and what that can do for us in the summer. I'll cut to the chase on this, man. All you got to do is go watch Rob Hazelwood's video of last year's nationals on YouTube. It's a syndicate, syndicate collegiate nationals to search. It's an eight minute video, action packed festival atmosphere. Kids having the time of their lives. That's how, that's my vision is to like encourage this and promote this festivals. My daughter's in the live music industry and works all the major festivals. They're huge. And like the new generation is in general, they're a little frugal when it comes to like buying a home or like buying a new car. They're, they're like very smart with their money in that way. Dude, when it comes to experiences, all bets are off. Like, Dude, they're shelling out. They will <laughs> shell out. Look at like Taylor Swift tickets or whatever. Yeah. Like, dude, they will spend so much on music festivals. So like, I'm just connecting some dots here, man. Austin Duvall, Sammy Duvall's son. We're in early talk. And like, there's no contracts on the table or anything like this. But I just want to give you an example. Uh, understand the way I think. He runs the most, the coolest apparel company called Duvin. You can look him up at duvindesign.com. It's like those like modern Hawaiian shirts off the wall sayings and like matching trunks, you know, like the hip pool side yeah. party wear. I showed him the video. He hadn't been approached by USA. I'm like, dude, this is Sammy Duvall's son. Like this is low, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not offering him a contract. I'm just like, dude, this is right up your alley. I can tell he watched the video. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I saw three of the skiers like wearing our trunks already. I was like, oh, wait, you know, this is like, so I don't know. That's just an example of like getting companies like that involved. I want them to sell some merch. Like that's what it's all about. Like what if they could do team fits for like UCLA's team or something, you know, like they're really creative in that way. So that's a way to like embrace the lifestyle, give it a look and feel apparel companies. Like they work with Dwayne Wade and, you know, athletes yeah. of that nature. So, you know, we might be kind of small, but I, I'd like to think that they have a, liking and a you know heartwarming element to water you know water skiers we'll see how that goes and then like you know marine detail companies i have a lot of like marine accessory relationships from my time at wsi we we were the trade association for anyone that did business in toad water sports so i've been to all those trade shows accessory shows boat shows uh conferences like nmma national marine manufacturers association so that's part of why I'm here is um, to use those relationships. But dude, I'll tell you, like, I only want to work with the right products and the right people, you know? And so that those are kind of who I'm reaching out to very carefully. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we've talked a little bit about media here and I want to talk about the water skier magazine, right? Because this is right up your alley, right? I mean, <laughs> Going back to your days at Wakeboarding Magazine and doing the things you've done there, are we going to see any changes with the magazine? Yes, I do like its its current design. So we're not going to give it like, oh, new redesign. It's going to be like a slow roll into this. 
my experience with like websites or like in this case, like it's easier than doing like one, you know, overnight redesign. So Scott Atkinson's been awesome. Like he's such a great utility shooter. Like he he gets the job done and he's just like killer. So he's got a designer. I told him that, you know, I want to see more uh instead of layouts, I want to see designs. Those are two, you know, two different ideas. And we're gonna conceptualize our covers. Um, it's hard to shoot covers at events with the midday sun and all that, those conditions. So we're going to shoot controlled, very strategic covers um, that are going to be really exciting. This magazine goes back to 1951. So during my interview process, I went, you can look at all the old issues. Lynn Novikowski curated them since uh, 1951. So anyone that's a member, even just a supporting member at 20 bucks for USA Water Ski and Wakes Force, you just you click log in. And then you find the water skier magazine wow. and you can search every issue back to 1951. So like we we're saying, I'm a big like mission and vision statement nerd. So I was like, okay, how did this, you know, AWSA is the founding pillar. How did this really get founded? So I started reading in the issues in 1951, dude, these guys were so classic. Like they <laughs> loved skiing. All their board meetings took place at like, 10 30 p.m at a establishment in new york <laughs> you know like they were at a bar like forming this organization and they they referred to themselves like unapologetically as ski bums wow so like pros would write in from the road and be like forever a ski bum you know and when anything looked too serious like guys in suits signing a new uh entity like a new ski team into business they'd be like pictured here you know, so-and-so ski bum, like that was their lingo is like <laughs> calling out everyone for being a ski bum. So I want to kind of like rehash that spirit of being a ski bum. Cause it's interesting. Cause you're not a bum cause you're skiing and you're like making something for yourself. But like, right. The bum is like, no man, this is like, like I was saying, those number one uh, tier professional athletes are like essentially ski bums. So I want to bring back some of that flavor that, that this organization was founded on. They were arguing about, who invented water skiing and they'd write in letters. So they're basically determining who invented water skiing in the water skier magazine. And uh, so this is in the fifties, but people are writing in letters saying, Oh yeah, I invented water skiing. I was the first to do it in 1926 in New York. And then someone would write in and say like, no, I actually did this in 1924. I created the first skis and like, they're arguing and like all of them are wrong. <laughs> like it ended up being 1922, Ralph Samuelson in Minnesota, you know, but like I was just reading this dude, it, the content is just riveting. Like the origin story of this thing is so cool. And like, dude, it just goes on and on and on and a long line, long lineage of like people that came before me, man. And that is what makes me like not take this job lightly. You know, even just, more immediate history, like the Steve McDermott's and Bob Crowley's and Nate Boudreaux's and like Tim Cullen was the president. And that was a volunteer position. Like all the people I've seen come before me, but I want to keep like digging into those issues. And I encourage these listeners to like use your membership for that purpose. Like it's so classic. I got to start like we, we uh, redid the, the water skier on Instagram. So make sure you're following the water skier on Instagram. And I'm really going to promote like established 1951 and it's the best documentary of water skiing in America of organized skiing in America that exists. And it, dude, it's still in print. That's awesome. Like I'm That's so awesome. happy that it's still in print. We're going to do like centerfold posters now that can pull out and like, we're going to go nuts 
on this print edition and like there's going to be digital you know supplements to what we do in print but like we're having strategy and vision meeting about the magazine and i'm just super fired up uh that it still exists and we have a chance to like make something out of it that's so awesome. I was thinking about I, in my grandparents' garage growing up, you know, they had been in the sport since the 1950s competing. And I grew up going to their house and in their garage was all posters, one of which, and they were all ski posters, one of which was Skip Gilkerson in a blue costume going like this. You probably <laughs> have seen that one, right? The and then, of course, yeah. like Sammy getting pulled over the jump with the the jet and all of those cool posters and i was just telling my wife the other day i'm like looking around our garage i'm like we need to get some posters up she's like really and i'm like well now i got my answer like the, the poster we got well, you well, dude yeah we're going like <laughs> carl well, robert on the trick in the body glove poster and like yeah all that stuff yeah all that stuff well one thing and, and as we kind of start to round things out here that i've really noticed about this interview kevin is like your attention to detail as far as uh, a lot of things, but rhetorically, the way you even look at words and how they're used and the importance of those words, right? At the very beginning of the podcast, you were talking about, really, this is more of a community. Uh, of course, it's it's family in the sense of the community, but probably better described as a community. Then we take a look at something like, you know, the 1951 Water Skier Magazine, where there's an impression of maybe a ski bum and how that plays now. And I was telling you offline the other day, I said, it's amazing when we go to collegiate water skiing, the value uh, for parents to invest in their kids to be in this sport. I looked, I looked around at our team. I've got, when I was at ULM, multiple world champions, pharmacists, lawyers, dentists, fighter pilots. I, I mean, I could go down the list of what this sport offers the individual and their family. And maybe when it's time to maybe get that real job, right? We always we always say, oh, no, I got to get a real job. But mm -hmm. that determination, that dedication that this sport builds into you, you can pretty much go do whatever you want to do and still stay connected for a lifetime to this sport, which it's not this ski bum type of mentality. It's really kind of this lake life mentality that you can achieve a very high level on many different ways of in which you approach life i just wanted to get your comment on that oh i mean dude you summed it up like right there like lake life is the best life throughout a lifetime there's multiple ways you can insert yourself and be a part of usa water skiing wake sports take hank amos for example grew up on a show team outside of tampa started skiing at cypress gardens and all that stuff became a freestyler on the pro freestyle tour maybe my favorite freestyler ever then he went on into stunt work because of that you know is a stuntman in the matrix and other high-end movies decided he misses it a little bit comes back does like cameos and some show skiing then he gets into like ski racing he he just did the catalina uh, oh wow deal yeah catalina wow. curse his uh double his double handle broke so like halfway through he had to just hold on to a conventional tow rope still finished and uh then he like comes to winter haven and starts teaching adaptive hmm. you know like adaptive is such a cool area uh, i've worked with them you know on and off over the years and like so there's hank like inserting himself in the four sure. different opportunities that we have and i've seen that a lot and there's some other names that 
I hope to release later that are looking to strap on the boots again. Uh, I won't won't put any pressure on them, but there is like there is a lifetime of activity that you can participate in, and we're going to be covering that. And and really going back to the good nationals, I mean, my kids at seven could be skiing there this year, and it could go all the way up to competitors that are ninety something years old. Like in in our region, it's Elgin Faulkner, and it's just unbelievable. Like it's just the the opportunities and to stay active and then have this incredible lake lifestyle is is right at our disposal and with that being said i ask all of my guests kevin i water ski because it's fun dude it's just fun like there's nothing more exhilarating than being on the water i mean for me over 99% of my experiences on the water are a good one. And I feel better afterwards. And it's something I love to share with family and friends. It's an escape. It really is. No matter what, everyone's got certain stresses in your life. Like, go hit the water. It's the best therapist I've ever had. If you start out your day with a ski session, I mean, you know that feeling. You go into work, you're like, I'm going to crush today, you know? So, to sum it up, though, man, it's just fun. It's the most fun activity and exhilarating experience that I could ever imagine. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kevin, where can people get connected to USA Water Ski and Wake Sports and how can they get involved? And, and maybe even if they have questions after this interview is over and they listen to it and they just you know want to shoot you a note, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. You know, and I'm going to push our supporting membership. Because you get the Water Skier Magazine and so many other benefits and discounts on even Delta Airlines, uh, all kinds of discounts on sunglasses and apparel and stuff in our world. That's usawaterski.org. If you want to support this thing, you want to know what you can do, you want to help this thing grow, you want to see this thing last for decades uh, into the future, please become a supporting member at $20. Go check out all those old issues of the Water Skier. Um, but that's under uh, usawaterski.org. Login and membership are the tabs uh, for that. On Facebook, USA Water Ski and Wake Sports. Facebook loves us. Like we're big on Facebook. Instagram, we're trying to grow some more. It's USAWS on Instagram. And then The Water Skier on Instagram as well. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting time. I got I got some questions for you, actually, before we peace out maybe just one question but uh yeah go ahead. you know you sent me some photos of you skiing and like i knew i knew you as a commentator i knew you were obviously a skier but like you rip man and i i definitely want to put some of those photos out there so people get to meet our hosts a little more but you've had a unique opportunity i've listened to a lot of your interviews and i but i've seen the list of hitters that have come through here like what have you learned about it just how could you summarize like your knowledge and your understanding now compared to before you start doing this podcast? Yeah, that is, it's extremely humbling to be in this position like you. I know you're a little bit older than me, but I grew up watching ESPN and my mom was on the world team in the 1970s with the LaPointe's and, you know, you take a look at Liz Allen and Wayne Grimdage and all of that generation. And then going back to my grandpa, who would build boats out of his garage to support his lake life because he was a uh, 
he was a school teacher in the summer and then going all the way up and, and growing up as a kid in Colorado where he, he was the, the promo guy. My grandpa was for Mastercraft. So he would have Rob Shirley on the phone. They would be talking. And then, you know, I'd be a kid at a boat show at a Denver boat show and there's Skip Gilkerson, there's Wade Cox, there's Rob Shirley, there's Sammy Duvall. And I grew up watching a lot of those things and then going through my own ski career, was able to connect with a lot of those people over the years. But to have the ability to reflect on all of those experiences and then ask them questions as a host is like, wow. You know, like, when I go and I ask Sammy, like, what was that jump like that you're describing where he's turning into the ramp that looks like Mission Impossible and we pull it up and there's just the crowd watching and to get his perspective and to get his feelings and emotions and everything that would have led up to that point is a totally different perspective on this side than just viewing that picture or viewing the ESPN podcast. And what I've learned is whether we interview someone that's a current star, a rising star, or a legend of our sport, their love never leaves and it just continues to grow. And the whole interview, they're just smiling and they're so happy to be a part of it. They know what it means because outside of the sport, there's very few opportunities in life that you can live this massive lifestyle and to do the cool things that we could do and to hear those stories and reflect on it as a dad now. And I'm bringing my, my family into the sport and I've got twin boys that are seven that, Hey, I got them trick skis for their birthday and we can go to regionals at Bennett's. Oh, and by the way, if you qualify, you can go to Bakersfield. We can jump on a plane to go to California, introducing that lifestyle and what it could can be for them is like, I had really a lot of fun doing it, no doubt. But there's this new sense of gratitude when I look at our rich history and what we have, and then now being able to participate in it. And now I'm like, you know, let, let, who are we going to have on next on the podcast? And then like conversations with you of like, how do we use our platform to expand, to make it bigger and, and invite other sports in to teach them about this lifestyle? Because and I think people would agree, like uh, Freddy Krueger, for example, if if you if you take someone over the jump for the first time, they're never going to forget that. In fact, if if you just get them up on a pair of skis, they're always going to be remembering the day they water skied. And How significant I, is that? Yeah, yeah, it, it's, first it's, moment, it's like, everyone remembers it and talks about it. Like, yeah, and and it's just like, well, now I have this opportunity and this platform to interview the best in the world and uh, ambassadors and whoever's out there on this podcast, I just say, number one, it's humbling. But two, I, I really appreciate and understand what we have. And that goes back to you. I'm extremely excited and thrilled that you're on board. You've got an incredible amount of experience. And I can already tell this is going to be a fun ride, dude. <laughs> it is <laughs> going to be a fun ride. And I look forward to getting on the water with you, man. Sounds good. Well, Kevin, this has been real, and I'm sure this won't be the last time. So until next time, we're signing off.
Thanks for listening and come back and catch future episodes as we chat with water ski legends and current stars from each of the sports disciplines as we celebrate 100 years of water skiing. Thanks again to our sponsor, Visit Central Florida. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'll see you next time.